tuning in to the 114th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, being recorded in Amherst, New York. Thank you for tuning in, whether it be via iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, however you're listening, really appreciate it. Going to have a really good show for you today. It's not going to be a full show like we normally have. Uh, feeling a little sick, a little under the weather, a little congested, but I still want to get out the content. I still want to get out another pod this Monday for you guys to listen to. So I decided, let's do it. So it's going to be a little shorter, but it's going to be an interview that I had about a couple weeks ago when I was still back at school, back at John Carroll, and uh, I had Aaron Kaznitz come on the show. He covers the Baltimore Ravens for PenLive.com. So when I had a great conversation with Aaron, what we talked about, you know, Lamar, MVP caliber year. Uh, Harbaugh, you know, buying into Lamar. Lamar being an African-American quarterback. The structure of the Ravens, their organization. Uh, and a lot of bit of juicy tidbits and a lot of great information. A lot of fun information about Lamar and the Ravens. And uh, a really interesting listen. I hope you all enjoy. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Aaron Kaznitz. Uh, he covers the Baltimore Ravens for PenLive.com. How you doing, Aaron? I'm great, man. I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing good. Now, the first thing I have to ask you is, you cover the Baltimore Ravens, so that means you get to be front row in the Lamar Jackson experience. How is that? It's, it's really interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's something that, um, you know, I think myself and a lot of other people around the team had high expectations for Lamar this season. He, he's the kind of kid who, who really is focused on improving, and, and you could see some of the strides he made this summer. But, man, I mean, I don't think anybody could have expected just just how efficient this offense has been, how electric he's been, and how, you know, how well he's played, really, in all facets of the game. And it's been super interesting to watch, to watch Lamar uh, tear through defenses and, and just kind of be himself. He's, he's a very genuine guy. He, he doesn't seem like he's uh, shook by the spotlight. He, he doesn't seem like he's uh, succumbing too much to you know, the glory and the pressure. He's just a really laid-back guy who's super, super competitive when he gets on the field, takes the coaching. and it's, he's, he's an athlete right now that's kind of captured the sports world's attention, and it's been interesting to follow that. He's stepping away, and, and now we're curious to see where he takes it. Can he, can he continue this one? The weather gets colder when the competition gets stiffer and when the stakes get higher. Now, could you have ever imagined his season ended against the Chargers last year? He did not play well. Could you have ever imagined that he would reach this peak already in his second year in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody expects... Me, I've one of the best seasons in NFL history as a 22-year-old uh, when, you, when you paint that, the numbers in, in a lot of ways, so... I don't think anybody could have expected exactly this. Um, I will say that, you know, a lot of people after that Chargers playoff game, uh, things kind of fell apart for him. He had three completions, I think, over the first three quarters. 
Uh, so certainly there were a lot of doubters and skeptics who spoke up after that. But, but I do think, you know, the Ravens tried to run last year's style of offense throughout that Chargers game, and it wasn't working, and they didn't make adjustments. And then when they opened it up in the fourth quarter, because they had to, um, the Jackson threw two touchdown passes, and they looked pretty good. And the fact that, you know, he was a, at that point he had just turned 22 the day before that game. He was the youngest quarterback to start uh, a playoff game in NFL history. And he, he was a guy who moved into the starting role halfway through the season. So um, what I thought going into this year was having a full off season, uh, having an offense totally built around him, having time to grow and improve and mature. I thought that he was going to move beyond that, and I thought he was going to be a very good starting quarterback this year. Did um, I think he was going to tie the franchise record for touchdown passes while also breaking Michael Vick's uh, NFL record for rushing out to the season. No, I don't think anybody could have expected that much success because so many different factors have to go right to have a season like this. But, you know, he, he always had it in him. Um, and now it's, it's the fact that it's happened so fast, I think, is, is what's most shocking. Yeah, and this is truly the type of experience you get to tell your kids about. Like, I covered Lamar Jackson. I got to watch this when this was going on full throttle. So that's really cool. Uh, how does Lamar? How does Lamar's teammates react to him? Like, you see Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's like, anybody that don't think he's MVP, come see me. Come see me. You just talk about the love and admiration his teammates have for him. Yeah, I think it helps that he's, as I mentioned, the top kind of a genuine guy. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, the, the start cornerback to the Ravens, told a story about a couple weeks ago. Lamar just walked by and saw a bunch of guys in the training room, and he was—he didn't have an injury or anything. He wasn't going to the training room, but he just went in there, hopped on the training table, and just, you know, um, shook everybody's hand and chatted with the injured players and the trainers and, and the team doctors. He just chatted with them for you know five ten minutes because he had a little bit of free time. And Humphrey was saying, "Not, not, no other player really would do that. Most quarterbacks, the league would do that. That's just kind of." He's just South Florida. He's a really laid-back guy when he comes off the field. Um, doesn't really seem to get disturbed by much. Always seems like he's in a pretty good mood. Um, obviously, his competitive fire comes out on the field, and you can see that. But yeah, the fact that he's just sort of a sort of a happy, happy kid, a guy who, who likes to joke around, I think that helps him. And I think obviously his teammates know how important he is to the team, and, and the position of quarterback in the NFL is so important. You really. It's so difficult to have success if you don't have a top 10 kind of player there. So the veterans, guys like Mark Ingram, guys like uh, offensive guard Marshall Yonda, who's been the second Pro Bowl, even Arnold Thomas, these guys know that they're getting a chance late in their careers possibly to play for Super Bowl because of Lamar Jackson. So I think that's success, that those kind of factors, coupled with, with his, his personality, I think that's why you see his teammates react the way he does. I, I haven't seen anybody, you know, there's always, not, not that, not that, teammates fight and argue, but there's always little clicks and stuff, but I haven't seen anybody uh, in the Ravens locker room who doesn't seem to, to really, really genuinely appreciate and, and like Lamar Jackson as both a person and a player. Now, when you talk about the competitive fire, just just describe that competitive fire to us. What do you mean when you say that competitive fire? Yeah, I think the, the time when it really showed that people kind of noticed it um, come out with it in the Seahawks game. Uh, October 20th, the, the Ravens ended up winning by two touchdowns in Seattle, but there was a play where he was calling for a snap and center master to snap it and, uh, in time. And it was a delayed game, and as soon as Lamar got the ball, he spiked into the ground, and Max Grove the helmet, said two things. And you don't usually see a quarterback do that. You see a quarterback trying to stay calm, or, or maybe he goes to the sideline and he rips into the player. But he, he just he has that emotion. But again, because he's such a genuine guy, 
it's not like he was yelling or he was just he was just frustrated he was uh, he, he thought that something should be done and it happened Thursday night uh, the Ravens had punted on three straight drives if you don't count uh, a drive right at the end of the, the first half on that when the clock ran out and he after that third punt he stomped over the sideline yelling and quarterback coach came to him and Jackson was pointing and, and it wasn't angry it's not like yelling at him but, he, but I mean you could tell he, he was heated he didn't turn his head down and shake his head. He was saying, we need to get better. That's kind of always what the kind of things he says. Let's do better. He's not smoking or complaining. It's more so that he's, you know, just to really amped up to try and do better. And I think that's something that, you know, because of his personality, because of his talent, he can maybe get away with slapping the team in the head, yelling, yelling at a coach, because everyone knows that, that he's genuine. He just, he just wants to win. And I think you see that. And that, um, And it's really interesting. He wears a shirt. Uh, nobody cares. Do do it better. Is that what it says? If I'm correct, there. Uh, nobody cares. Work harder. Nobody cares. Work harder. Just talk about that, because that kind of emphasizes Lamar's mindset. Just talk about that. Yeah, and um, John Harbaugh uh, has the head coach has a lot of different t-shirts he wears, kind of slogans and stuff. And that's especially one of them. Um, I think that that's sort of the message that they want to get across is, you know, we're just gonna put our head down and keep working it's all about like I said doing better um, so you don't hear Lamar say I, you know this should have happened and if this would have happened it would have been better it's always I just need to be better me and my teammates need to be better and I think that's sort of a message they want to get across uh, John Harbaugh does a good job there's just t-shirts or little slogans or whatever it is to kind of push his team kind of kind of give his team some gentle reminders about the mindset he wants them to have certainly certainly Lamar Jackson is no different um Now, I want you to talk about this because the offense they run is not conventional and some people might say you can't last doing that because you can't expose your quarterback to hits. And usually when you see a quarterback that runs a lot, they're always like, we just want to run right now because it helps us win, but eventually want them to be a pocket passer. Where is this going with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, Brad, you know, from John Harbaugh and everybody? Where is this going? Is this the plan? Like, we're just going to do this till it doesn't work, or are they still trying to reel it back and eventually they want Lamar to become a pure pocket passer? No, I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants Lamar to become a pure pocket passer. I do think as his career develops, you know, if he wants to be successful into his 30s, the way that we've seen some, you know, the Drew Breeses and the Aaron Rodgers, and of course, that very, his speed is going to wane and he's take a lot of hits, so he might need to, you know, uh, in the pocket more, but as so long as he is the electrifying athlete that he is, the Ravens are going to let him use that. Um, Greg Roman, the offense coordinator, has kind of made the point that, that uh, these mobile quarterbacks are, are much more safe when they're running in open space. And you've seen Lamar Jackson, I mean, he even did it a couple times. Thursday night, we'll all shake free and he'll, you know, juke three or four guys, and then he'll use that elusiveness, not necessarily to get more yards downfield, but to shake free and 
Sprint to the sideline and get out of bounds to avoid a hit. He's really good at that. He's got tremendous spatial awareness. That's another term a lot of coaches and people around the team have used, and I've talked to him about what kind of makes him different. He just knows exactly how much you know he needs to wiggle to, to get by a defender. And he uses that not just again to get yards, but, but to stay safe to get out of bounds to know when to throw the ball away. Um, and they have to trust it. And, and the reason this offense is putting up historical numbers to outpace the break and of our records for rushing yards that lead the league in scoring is because of Lamar Jackson's running ability. Um, sure, he really improved as a passer. He's a great, he's a very good passer, and his throwing ability is great. But the team has no no design this year or any time the foreseeable future of scaling back Lamar Jackson's running. I mean, maybe for the next week or two because uh, they've already locked up the AFC North, but in, in meaningful, the most meaningful games, the most meaningful situations, uh, they're going to let Lamar Jackson do what he does, and, and part of that is being a very effective runner. And uh, the team seems to think that he can stay safe and stay healthy that way. And, I mean, the stats back it up. He's, he's, uh, he started all 18, if you include the playoffs as a rookie, he started all 13 games, uh, or 14 games now this season. So, yep, yep, this, this is the offense you're going to see now, I really think there was a really turning point game to where the national stage really got introduced to Lamar, right? And I would say it's that New England game where the Baltimore Ravens, quite frankly, uh, tore apart the, uh, at that time, undefeated New England Patriots. Just talk about that game and kind of like the feeling in the locker room, just the feeling from everybody just being like, okay, can Lamar do this against Bill Belichick, against Tom Brady? And he did it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think, I think maybe from a national stage, uh, that game was a, was a big difference in the sense that it was against the Patriots and it was on uh, Sunday Night Football. But, I mean, at that point, Lamar, Lamar had a perfect passer rating game. Uh, he, he was setting records with his running ability. So, no, I don't think anybody in the locker room, uh, it, it wasn't like this huge, oh, this is Lamar's coming out party. Nobody, I don't, I don't think anybody in the locker room really viewed it like that. I, I do think, you know, from even myself, somewhat of an outsider outside the locker room, it was sort of like, okay, even Bill Belichick couldn't just run a scheme, so it, it was pretty easy to feel a lot of confidence, but in, in terms of the players and coaches, I, I don't think. It's hard, it's hard with that, I don't want to just do their talking points, but it didn't, I, I don't remember that locker room being especially joyful or that post-game press conference being especially meaningful, it was just sort of, yep, yeah, he's, he's been doing what he's been doing, and even the Patriots couldn't stop him, and, and that's exactly how that played out. And also talk about this, too, because when you have a great quarterback, they're always attached to a great, ho- a great, head, a great head coach. Uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh. Harbaugh, Harbaugh. <laughs> just talk about how their relationship works and just the impact Harbaugh has had on Lamar. Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk about the other two the comparisons you made, uh, Bill Walsh didn't have, he didn't win Super Bowls before Joe Montana. Bill Belichick didn't win Super Bowls before Tom Brady. And vice versa, Montana and Brady also didn't win without those, those respective coaches. Um, so they were kind of intertwined. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl with, with Joe Black. He made the playoffs uh, what, six straight years to start his tenure in Baltimore well, Lamar, before Lamar Jackson was even in college. So it, it was kind of a different dynamic. I do think what John Harbaugh's done in, in he totally has, uh, there was never any sense of, we're, we're not really sure, we have a plan B, we're not putting all of our A's in the mother. it was never like that. It was, you know, 
Godmother and Cole plays. He didn't design the offense playbook. That's Greg Roman. He's not working with Lamar Jackson every day. That's James Irvin, the quarterback coach. But what John Harbaugh is, is basically the organization. And from the moment he decided back last year that there was a mistake with Lamar and, and, and not go to Joe Flacco, he said, Lamar Jackson's our quarterback, and this is the offense we're going to run, and, and we're going to build not just, not just an offense around him, but a team around him, a franchise around him. Um, to have your head coach who's very detailed and, and makes good hires, to have him kind of come out and say that, and, and not just say that, but back it up with, with everything the organization has done, I think that's the biggest impact. Um, and to have, and for Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's a guy who won a Super Bowl as a head coach. If he's saying, you, Lamar Jackson, are going to be the next guy to take us to the Super Bowl. So I think that had a big impact on, on a young quarterback, and clearly, Clearly, the dynamic is working because, you know, right now, the locker room seems healthy, but about as healthy as the locker room I've ever covered. And it seems like, you know, it seems like this, is, this kind of thing maybe has staying power. Now talk about the impact James Urban and Greg Roman have had on Lamar, right? Because James Urban's the quarterback coach and Greg Roman's the offensive coordinator and worked with Colin Kaepernick for a while as well during his great run in San Francisco. So just talk about the impact those two guys specifically have had on Lamar's play. Yeah, so James Urban is the one who, he's the quarterback coach, he's the one who is literally working very, very closely on Lamar's throwing motion. Uh, certainly Lamar Jackson has his own quarterback coach, Joshua Harris, that he works with in the offseason. But, you know, when in OTA and training camp and, and minicamp, when the Ravens are at the facility, James Urban is the one who's watching Lamar make every throw. He's, you know, working. Lamar Jackson talked about widening his base this year. He wanted his legs to be farther apart when he throws. More athletic that would help with his accuracy, uh, and that's something that you know you, you see on the sideline of every practice. James Irvin is staring at Lamar Jackson's feet, and, and he's saying, you know, we got to get wider or whatever, whatever adjustments you need to make. That's more of James Urban's job as mechanics, uh, really growing him as a and as a passer. And clearly, um, whatever you don't want to give too much credit to the coach, the players deserve credit too. But, but clearly, that that made has worked. And then uh, with Greg Roman. He's kind of one of those run game gurus who just knows how to design, um, design an offense and, and design blocking schemes. And that obviously has been, I mean, he's designed an entire playbook and, and calls the play. So it's not just a running game, but I think his expertise in the running game has made this running game, whether it's Lamar Jackson keeping the ball or if he's handing it off to a guy like Mark Ingram or Gus Edwards, to make the offense super efficient. That's open up the passing game. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the role. This is the brain trust. John Harbaugh's the head coach, the guy who's overseeing it all. Uh, Greg Roman's the kind of a mad genius designing and calling plays. And then James Urban is, is that position coach who's working on the details, working on the stuff. And, and that's when, when you talk about, you know, the brain trust, you can add David Culley in there, who's the wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator. But those are the three, four guys that, that the Ravens have decided to surround Lamar Jackson with. And so far, it's, it's paying off for them. See, it's funny. When you talk about a brain trust like that, it kind of sounds like you're talking about Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, uh, and Josh McDaniels a little bit, which, which is which is good for the Ravens, which is which is really good. For that. Yeah, and I think any, any NFL coaching staff, you, you know, they didn't even just talk about the head coach or the coordinators, but you know, there's, there's position coaches matter, and these assistants matter. Um, I think any NFL coach would tell you that, that those hires do matter, and I, and I think, again, you don't want to take credit away from Lamar not the coaches that are making him successful uh, solely. He, he, he deserves a lot of credit, but I think the Raiders have done the right job putting experienced guys and the right guys around him. Now, what I would ask you for this, and too, because there was a time where, the, you know, John Harbaugh looked a little bit to be on the hot seat. Uh, 
especially when the Ravens, they were not playing well when Joe Flacco was starting last year at this time. And then Lamar comes in, and they really haven't looked back since. Look, John Harbaugh is one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. I believe he's about a decade, if not so, right now, right? I mean, got hired in 2008, so, uh, yeah, a decade. Uh, has he just set himself up for another 10 years with the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> Now, what are the chances that Greg Roman comes back to Baltimore next year? Because right now, everybody, he, he's he's a name I hear get mentioned all the time as potential as a potential head coach because of the success that he's had with Lamar. What are the chances that Greg Roman comes back? Yeah, I mean, right now, you, I guess you're somewhat playing because uh, teams when teams are trying to hire head coach, the, the first thing they, the most common head coaching hires are usually the hotshot coordinators do a Maybe he figures that, that the Ravens are going to continue to have a path of success. 
at the job that he loves to open up this year. Maybe he'll stick around. You don't know. Um, but no doubt he'll get some interviews. And no doubt that's something that Ravens fans should be, should be at least a little worried about is uh, whether or not he sticks around because he's built this great offense, good for the Ravens, uh, and that means other, other teams have noticed as well and don't have interest in now, what I do want to ask you, too, is because with the Lamar Jackson experience, without Grady, is uh, lots of people always mention the fact that he's a black quarterback. Uh, and recently, uh, one of the play-by-play guys, I believe, for the San Francisco 49ers kind of uh, made a, kind of a controversial statement saying that it's black football, black jersey, black skin, you can't see. Uh, how does Lamar react to comments like that? Uh, he's the kind of guy who just pushes them off. He's certainly, you know, he, he hasn't shied away from being a black quarterback and everything that comes along with that. Uh, the fact that uh, in, in the NFL Combine, you know, there were rumors of scouts going against the wide receiver and a lot of criticism of him. The fact that he's struck by his gun, I think that was impressive. I think that is something that, that he should be proud of and uh, set a good example. And, and, you know, when he's been asked about black quarterbacks, he said, you know, it's great. We want to keep doing good things. Uh, we want to make it easier for other black quarterbacks. But he's not the kind of guy that gets agitated or he's not publicly um, about that sort of thing. He's also hasn't been the kind of guy who's gone out of his way to, you know, make make statements about social justice or anything like that. Um, right now, he's kind of playing it even. He's, he's you know, uh, he's setting a good example. He's, he's doing all the right things. Uh, he's not going out of his way to say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm a black quarterback. I don't like this. And I do like this. Here's, why, here's how. About to change. He's not necessarily has Lamar ever specifically addressed the Tim Ryan comments? Uh, I don't believe so. Partly because I think so. The, those comments came last week and the Ravens were on a short week. So uh, he did talk to the media, but it wasn't a typical session and he had to deal with a quad injury. So, yeah, I don't believe he addressed them. Uh, Coach John Harbaugh did, and he just said, um, you know, said something that we're not even thinking about. I'm sure Lamar would have said the same thing. Uh, it did seem like some 49ers players were, were defending him. Uh, but no, he, he, didn't, he didn't go out of his way to address them. I don't believe he was asked uh, last week on the short, on the short week. But maybe that's something that, that will uh, a topic that will come up in the future. Now talk, and I do want to ask you this, talk, talk about the play of Marquise Brown, the speedster from Oklahoma. Just talk about the dynamic he's added to this Baltimore Ravens offense. Another defender out of the box, 
when you have the back, have the best running game in the history of the NFL, they're going to burn you that way. So when you have that guy, a guy, even on the combine, even on the 40-yard dash, if you make the combine, a lot of people thought you could have been in the fourth, or you maybe even have a guy. You have somebody with that much speed, who's also great at tracking the ball, who's also not just fast, but really just a football player, a guy who's a very natural type of football. Defense are really have to pay attention to them. And when you have a guy that you have to pay attention to on the outside of the offense, uh, all of a sudden you're paying less attention to a more gas than this great running game. And that's not a good recipe for a defense. He, he's just one of many guys that makes the Ravens offense super hard to defend. And uh, it seems like he's going to have the ability to do that for a long time. And it's just got a young player that's there to grow with a young quarterback. Now, a really big trade this team did make is they got Marcus Peters. Talk about the impact Marcus Peters has had on the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really, really, really good cornerback. Um, and, and the Ravens have, I mean, look at how they've built their roster. On defense, if they're going to spend money, it's going to be in that secondary. And what they do is they blitz one of the teams in the league. You know, it's going to down the sound. It's very aggressive. They blitz one of the teams in the league. And the fact that they're... We can do that because we're really the quarterback. We can leave those corners on our own. We can send extra rushers, pour the quarterback, force the quarterback to make quick throws, because we think our, our corners can cover and, and defend those quick throws, as well as any other corners in the league. And early in the year, I struggled with that a little bit. You know, that Brandon Carr's an older guy, didn't smith with her, but had to uh, use, use some younger players, Maurice Kennedy and Anthony Avery as a quarterback. So when they traded for Marcus Spears and they got James Smith back, now they have a total corner, a two-time global cornerback in Marcus Peters. They have Paul Humphrey, who was 32 MVP last year, and might be one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Then he said, yeah, I've seen him back to play football this year. And even Jimmy Smith has been a top, you know, a top 20 cornerback for, for a decade in the NFL. Almost. That's the really good cornerback. Plus, Brandon Card, who hasn't missed the start since he got into the league in 2008. You have four cornerbacks who would start on any team, and they would rotate in pushing them in and moving them to different spots. And we have, you know, if there's seven times Pro Bowl and Earl Thomas, six times Pro Bowl and Earl Thomas at safety, uh, how, how do you beat these guys? And then they're blitzing you, and, and you, you know, usually when you want a quarterback and split, you look for that weak link, right? You look for a weak matchup and you still make a quick throw. The Ravens have built a defense, so they're not great talent in the front line in terms of pass rushers and inside linebackers, but they blitz you. The quarterback made a quick throw, and there's no weak link in that secondary, and Marcus Peters just make sure of that. Plus, he brings a playmaking ability. You know, he had two picks since he got here, two game clenching pass breakups. So, the way they built that defense is a very specific way. They needed really good cornerbacks, and they no one got one with Marcus Peters. Now, Aaron, my last question for you is this. Tell me your funniest or interesting moment covering the team this year, because you have to have something. You have a bunch of characters and a bunch of people on this team. Give me some interesting info. The funniest thing you've seen. Funniest thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of little funny things that happen. Um, I think a, a funny moment is when Marcus Peters was getting sacked. Uh, he was sacked twice. And then and he'll shoot it like a basketball into uh, into a trash can, and he usually misses. Uh, and they're always looking at us and be like, uh, yeah, you know, I play football, I play basketball, so I asked him about it just last week, and he said that when he was growing up, 
kids always wanted to play basketball because he was the fastest, you know, most athletic kid. But he was so focused on football, he never played. So he said when he, whenever he got on the basketball court, you know, he could run past people. But I'm going to dribble the ball off his foot or miss a jump shot because, you know, he, he spent all his free time playing football. And growing up, he never really learned the skills of basketball. But I just thought that was kind of a funny, funny anecdote with Lamar. Uh, and maybe maybe one day I'll start making some of those jump shots. You think you'd be a good like, point guard in the court vision and, and a speed or whatever, but um, that's sort of been the, the, you know, little, little moments like that when you cover the team, you get to learn and hopefully start with some Okay, and, I, and I just one, one quick thing. So, is Lamar the fastest person on the Ravens? Fastest person on the team? I think if you're talking like a, like a foot race, like a 50-yard, 40-yard dash foot race, I think Marquise Brown would probably beat him. I think if you're talking short area quickness, three-cone drill or that sort of thing, change of direction, he's probably the most, he probably accelerates the fastest and has the quickest speed. Now, that would be how I would say it, but I'm, I haven't seen these guys line up. <laughs> you know, my, my thing is, I would assume if you ask both of them, both of them would say they're faster than the other. <laughs> so I just want to know if they've ever talked about that race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the offseason Marquise Brown was coming back from his foot injury, so there wasn't much, too much time to goof around, but maybe, uh, maybe this year we'll get them to line up and, just, you know, see who wins. Aaron, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. And I hope you guys all enjoyed the listen with uh, the interview I had with me and Aaron. Uh, Sorry, I promised last podcast we're going to talk a lot about college football, uh, the playoff game. Uh, Probably going to have that. We're going to have that conversation a little bit Friday. Going to have that conversation Friday. Preview Clemson and LSU. We know that's going to be the national championship game. Probably going to have like Ben Karen. Hopefully get the sports squabbler on. uh, Just a little under the weather. Uh, and just, but I still wanted to get out some content to all of you uh, who listen because I appreciate all of you guys. But I will say this: LSU versus Clemson, right? You're gonna see the top two quarterbacks the next two drafts, right? 2020, 2021. Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrows. So if you have a franchise that's a struggling quarterback, freaking watch that game. That's all I got. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, the 114th of ever. The 114th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. And just a little tidbit, next episode Wednesday, pre-recorded with me and my man's Jason, NBA history, since it's New Year's, we will talk about, go year for year from 2010 to 2020 now, the decade of NBA basketball and what moments stand out to us. You won't want to miss it. And thank you for tuning in to this episode, the 114th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.